welcome to episode seven of What the Tech Am I Doing? Thanks for tuning in. Today we interviewed Penny. She is such an inspiration. She grew up in Laos and was actually a refugee due to the Vietnam War and then ended up moving to Canada where she had to learn English. And I'm so excited for you guys to hear this one. She talked about so many inspirational things, mindset, family, gratitude, interviews, career. We covered it all on this one. Please enjoy and let us know what you think. Thank you. Welcome to episode seven of What the Tech Am I Doing? Today we have Penny Sankovicic, and today we're going to talk about her journey. I heard it in just a mentoring session, and her story is just so inspiring. So I'm really excited to get into this and just let everyone hear it. But Penny, if you want to introduce yourself before we get started. Okay. Hi, everybody. I'm Penny Sankovicet. I work at Edwards Life Sciences as a senior director of the Digital Quality Organization. Thanks. So let's dive into it. Let's, if you want to start from the beginning of your story and kind of tell the audience what you went through and how you, how you got here. Okay. Um, so, you know, um, my journey started when I, my family was, um, refugees. So we were refugee based on the Vietnam War. Uh, you know, I grew up in Laos and um, during the Vietnam War, it impacted um, people in my country. And so we were given refugee status. A lot of us uh, fled the country. Um, you know, my father was one of the first to, to flee um, Laos to go to Thailand to set up a refugee camp for all of the, the Laos people there. Um, you know, my father was uh, one of the um, high ranking judge in our country. So he kind of knew what was happening politically. And, uh, you know, my dad loves politics. So he followed uh, sort of the, the, the whole Vietnam War kind of impact. And um, so he, he left uh, Laos to go to Thailand. And at that time, um, you know, there was a lot of chaos. Um, but my family was fortunate enough that, um, you know, we were able to reunite in, in the refugee camp. The, the story was that my sister and I were, were actually playing out by the river and a man pulled up in, in, in this canoe and said that your, your dad's looking for you. You know, I was, I think at the time I went, must have been around four years old and my sister was around uh, five. And, you know, when you're young and, and you don't know what's going on, um, so we got into the canoe with him and I, I don't remember a lot of things, but what I do remember was, um, you know, him bringing us to this house and telling us to hide underneath this house and, and to be quiet. I don't know how long it was, but, um, you know, we reunited with my, uh, with my father at the, the, the refugee camp. It was, you know, my sister and I showed up with this man and this woman comes up and she's like, well, that's not my daughter. Like, those aren't my daughters. You had the wrong, you have the wrong, you know. Oh my kids. gosh. And she goes, but I think I know who, whose daughters they are. Cause my father was very well known. And so, mm-hmm. um, then my father showed up and it was, you know, really, it was, it was sort of like, if you think about it, it was like a movie ending, right? Like, <laughs> you know, you're the, you get to see this. So, um, it's very interesting because my father was one of the few men that w- that was at the refugee camp. Um, because women and children fled first, right? And, mm-hmm. but my father was there to set up the camp. And, you know, my earliest childhood memory was, you know, following my father around while he was, you know, um, setting up, 
um, the camp because we had to share the refugee camp with um, folks from Cambodia and and you know and uh, Vietnam. So it was it was kind of it wasn't an easy I I would say place to be because you had mm -hmm. these different countries into one camp. Um, so from there uh, we were there um, and then during our time in 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 the refugee camp um, a fire broke out and uh, so we ended up staying in in a building um, at that time and then eventually um, emigrated to Canada. Uh, so came to Canada uh, with my parents, um, you know, two suitcase with six children. Like they, they had what they, they took what they had in, you know, in their backs. Um, and I remembered, um, you know, the day before we were leaving, asking my father what Canada was like. And, and he's like, well, you know, Canada's full of marbles because we, we played marbles when we were younger. So we, we were like, oh my God, you know, this is what my father was. Like he got us to kind of like bind to the dream. So we got on a plane, landed in Canada, didn't speak a word of English. None of us spoke English. My father, um, you know, studied in, in Paris. So he didn't really realize that you know, that the Canadian French was different from Parisian French. Oh. <laughs> and, and so I think we, we had a lot of challenges just trying to learn the language. Um, mm -hmm. But my father has always, you know, said to us, like, you know, um, you're in a new country now, you got to learn the language. Um, and so learned the language, grew up, um, you know, not having a lot, but we were never, I would say, poor in the sense of love. Mm -hmm. um, you know, grew up, remembering, you know, um, getting our clothes at the Salvation Army. Um, you know, uh, my brother at the time worked at a grocery store and, um, you know, people at the grocery store would give him fruits, right, to bring home. But they were always like, oh, they were always like ripe fruits <laughs> that you couldn't sell anymore. <laughs> so to this day, I have like, I don't eat bananas that have brown spots. It, it just reminds me of, oh yeah. my gosh, that time where all I ate was like, fruit that are right yeah um, yeah so um from there you know grew up in toronto got my education in in toronto um i'm one of the only one in my family that really got the formal uh college or university education experience mm -hmm. um and then um after that i um i applied you know after finishing college uh, applied for uh, positions in the u.s and got a job in the u.s um but you know, during college, my father owned, a, you know, we started opening up a, a donut shop. So I would work the morning shift, um, you know, opening the donut shop at 430 in the morning and then finishing at uh, one in the afternoon, taking the bus to go to college, take uh, evening classes. So I think, you know, overall, I, I think, you know, there were a lot of challenges in, in, in my life mm -hmm. or in, in our life, but we never felt like we never felt like it was hardship. Because my mm -hmm. father was always, you know, um, hardworking. And, um, you know, the thing that, that my father um, always had that I still have to this day is always be on time. Right? Because, you know, when you have six kids and you're trying to go <laughs> somewhere, like, we would never get there on time. And I remember yeah. standing next to my father and he would have these like mini heart attacks. Like, oh my God, he would kept, he kept looking at his watch. And I, to this day, I think that's what carried with me is the fact that, you know, always show up on time, like always. And so um, 
it's just because experience of, of my father, you know, waiting for us and, 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 and seeing how important, you know, being present mm -hmm. or being on time is. And so that's kind of one of the things where I always make sure I'm on time for things. Um, oh, that's so interesting. That's cool. I mean, I couldn't imagine six kids is so much. So yeah, you'd always be running late trying to get them ready. Yeah. We, my family, we have, I grew up in a family with four of us kids. And to this day, we're still not good at times. So we haven't learned the beyond time thing. But yeah. even my sister, my oldest sister, she just had her wedding. And they told us what time to get there. And we later found out it was like two hours before we needed to get there. Because they're like, you guys are always late. <laughs> but it's yeah. like a big family thing. So that's awesome that you didn't carry that over. You're like, you know what? He always appreciated being on time. So I'm going to be on time. Yeah. Um, so I did have, before we continue, I had a few questions because I think you touched on, I mean, the story is incredible. It's something that you would see in a movie, but mm -hmm. it's clearly shaped who you are today. You're a very strong woman, very admired by the people you work with. Um, one of the things I had a question, being at such a young age and having your early memories be in this refugee camp and seeing your father take such a strong leadership role as well, how do you think that um, influenced your, your childhood when a typical child, you know, in the U.S., not going mm -hmm. through these things. It's just playing, you know, doing mm -hmm. some, some, that you don't have to mature as quickly, I think. So I was wondering how that influenced and if you look back at now seeing um, some things that it touched on. Yeah, and, and you know, I think, um, you know, my family, I would say, isn't the typical Asian family where I have three older brothers and then I'm the second youngest, right? So it's three older boys mm -hmm. and then the three girls and then I'm the second youngest oh. girl. And and it's interesting, but the, the females in, in my family were very strong. Love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So all three of us were, were very strong willed. Um, and I think a lot of it was just, you know, going against the cultural norm, right? So when I remembered when I went to college, I asked my dad if I could move out of the house. And my dad's like, yeah, you can move out of the house, but you got to take your sister with you. And oh, by the way, every Sunday you got to come home because I don't want people to know that you don't live here. <laughs> right. Because, you know, girls aren't supposed to leave the household until mm -hmm. they get married. And, and so, um, you know, I, I think my father um, and I remembered, you know, throughout high school, my father would bring us in. You know, we would have appointments with my father. Um, at the start of every year and he would go through your plan for what's your plan for the year. Wow. So, early, so early on, I, I got this, you know, the sense of, of planning, the sense mm -hmm. of, of putting everything in order and, and I have to manage my time. I have to manage my life. Um, so, so if I look back at, at, you know, my childhood, a lot of it is, um, you know, but we did get to play a lot. Right. It's not like my dad was really strict with, hey, you got to study and, you know, gotta take. you know, he was he he let us be children, but he mm -hmm. also let us understand that we're in a new country and, mm -hmm. you know, and we have to work hard and we have to support each other. And, you know, interestingly, my father um, was an orphan and he got adopted. Wow. Right. He got adopted. Um, so for him, family was always a, a big thing. So I grew up, you know, with my sister who's a year younger than me she's my best friend right and and so we're we're very close like we our families were very close-knit and so you know and so my father is always like you know we were like a pack right everywhere mm -hmm. we went there were eight of us 
You know, my father's, <laughs> you know, my father's first paycheck um, that he got, he bought a station wagon. <laughs> right. Gotta so, fit everyone. <laughs> yeah, he's got so he's gotta fit everyone. And I know my father made a lot of sacrifices. Um, but I think early on when 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 you're young and you know, I think I look at I look back at my experience and it, and to me it's like, you know, learning a new language, um not understanding that, you know, that you're you're for like understanding that you're a foreigner and, and understanding that um you don't always get to have everything that you want. We didn't have the need to get what we want. You know, mm-hmm. I think a lot of it was my parents gave us what they could. Yeah. Um, you know, my, my mom was telling me the story about how they would take four buses to get to a grocery store. And at the time, the grocery store is very much like a smart and final, you know, those bulk mm-hmm. warehouse stores. Mm-hmm. And my mother would tell me the story that her and my father would take four buses to get there and we would be at home, right, um, you know, taking my brother taking care of us and my mom would be um every time they go they do uh weekly grocery runs and they would see this man selling um you know roasted peanuts you know and cashews in front of the grocery mm-hmm. store and it at the time it was in the 80s right it cost i think a dollar and my mom would would be you know my mom and my dad would always contemplate that they should you know they would smell it and they were like we should buy this but then they would always think of us and so they never bought like the roasted nuts that they wanted. And when you hear stories like that, like you just kind of, you know, you know, take, you, you kind of get taken back and, and, and realize mm-hmm. the, you know, that a lot of times, like there are sacrifices that your parents made so you can have a better life. Yeah. You know, that's, that's really powerful. It also just makes you, I'm sure so grateful for what you have. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing that you're, your parents went through all this, but you were saying as a, as a child, you didn't realize all these things. So they were taking it upon themselves, but still trying to let you have that childhood, that playfulness. And it's not till now, later, when you're an adult, they're sharing these stories and that makes yeah. you so grateful. And even, you know, myself, you're thinking about like all the luxuries we have in our life. You're like, wow, mm. like the things people had to go through. And, and I'm always, I mean, my parents came over here from Egypt and they ended up both going to college in the States. But I'm like, they set us, you know, they set the next generation up and their parents, you know, yeah. set them up. So I really think, you know, although um, impressive, your dad, your dad started off as an orphan, but it, it's crazy how much, you know, your parents or your support members build you up. Um, and it's almost, it's like the next step. And, and they're such a huge part of some of our yeah. successes in a way. And and I think growing up in the 80s, right, it was a big, you know, in Canada, and I'm, I'm pretty sure in the U.S. as well, there was a big mm-hmm. influx of refugees from, you know, the Vietnam War, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so I think the challenge there was, I think, they were trying to figure out how to deal with, you know, refugees. And, and I remembered mm-hmm. going into, uh, you know, as a refugee, um, going into school, but we had uh, ESL, English as a second language, mm-hmm. like they would put us there. But, you know, we had a homeroom that you go to in the morning. But then when it was time to study, you would get walked to your um, mm-hmm. to your ESL class because you couldn't speak. You know, I couldn't understand English. Mm-hmm. I couldn't speak it. I couldn't write it. And um, it wasn't like I was in kindergarten or anything. I was actually in, in like third or fourth grade. Right. And I, and I remember, 
Yeah, and, and and I was thinking about this, and and you know when I found that picture, I, I I went home like the picture I sent you with with in my office. I went home and I was like, let me see if if, if I have other pictures. And there was one picture I had that I looked at, and I remembered it to this day. Um, my homeroom was taking a, a school picture, and you know they line you up as little kids, right? And some would sit in the front, and then some would stand in the back. And so I I got sat in the front row, but I was in the corner. And I remembered in homeroom, like you would take off your shoes. It was kind of weird, like, because like, there, there weren't chairs, you know, they were just like, you, uh. sat, you sat on the floor, you sat on the floor because they wanted people to interact with each other because there were other people from other countries, oh, right? Wow. Refugee mm-hmm. countries. And um, so we would sit on the floor and I remembered them knocking on the door and saying, hey, you know, we need Penny to, to come take a homeroom picture. And I remembered like, walking to the gymnasium and I had these gray socks on and <laughs> didn't even have I, shoes. <laughs> I didn't have shoes and and and, we, and I and they sat me in the front and if, if you were to look at my pictures like my feet were curled in and and when you when I look at that picture I you know it brought back memories like when you're young you don't really know what's right or wrong but you knew like you kind of know something. what's wrong you mm-hmm. knew something like and I was kind of like now when I look back and I'm like oh my god like it, it kind of made me, I would say, not sad, but kind of like sad for my little self. Yeah. Right. That, that, that like, I didn't have shoes on, like, and everybody had shoes. Yep. And even just, with your um, stature, you're saying in the picture, you can tell, you probably don't realize it at the time. You can tell you're like, clearly you were uncomfortable. Clearly you felt separated in some way. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about those? You you mentioned the two images that you sent me, and we're gonna put it um, when Matt goes and edits this for yeah. when we post it on YouTube. So I want you to talk about those images because they were so cool to see, and I want other people to see it and hear the story behind it as well. Yeah. So the the first one was a picture that my father took when we were at the refugee camp. So if you look at the picture, it's actually uh, a straw hut. Can you uh, we you built it right it was made out of straw roof and then you had wood and um in front of the the it was a two-room hut right my parents had one room and the kids had one room and then in front of the hut um you know there was a a table and i remembered my dad on one of his trips outside of the refugee camp brought back um you know um, some apples and, and, and Pepsi, right? Uh, we, we, we drank Pepsi cause I, I guess that's what was given to us. And, and, and if you look at the picture, we were just eating like, and, mm-hmm. and, and, um, you know, eating and my brother had the dog in the corner and my mom's like, you know, distributing food. And, and I think, you know, when I look at that picture, it, it even said to me, it spoke to me that, even though we were at refugee camp, we were, we weren't fed, you know, my dad found a way to feed us. Mm-hmm. And then the second picture, um, it was taken at a park. Um, you know, my father was very proud that day that he was able to buy his whole family Big Macs. Like my kids aren't going to have a happy meal. They're going to have a Big Mac. <laughs> Right. And, and so um, and he took pictures of that. And, and for him, it was, you know, 
like I, I never understood why he would take pictures of us eating as, as I was growing up. Mm -hmm. Like every time we would sit at the dinner table, my dad would be with the camera and you're just like, dad, I'm eating. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> right. But, you know, mm -hmm. as, as I gotten as I've gotten older, I, I realized that that was his way of, 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 you know, of saying that to himself, I believe that he's made it right. He's, he's mm -hmm. being, he's fed his family throughout like, yeah. you know, the Christ throughout the challenges, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and it was a happy memory. Um, you know, we, we still sit down at the table and eat together, even though my father passed away 18 years ago, but to, to us, that's, um, you know, it wasn't fancy vacations. It was, you know, dinners, right? It's the, the bare, the, the little things in those specific memories. That's yeah. so amazing because it's like, to your point, that was a proud moment. He continued to work and continue to work hard to support you guys and put food on the table, which people take, can take for granted. And mm -hmm. so many people, even in America still, that is like, you know, it, it was a good week. We put food on the table. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a good reminder. I feel mm -hmm. like I keep finding myself throughout everything. I'm just like, wow, wow. <laughs> I like, lost for words because I think it's just so inspirational. Like I'm getting goosebumps. But um, I did want to touch on another thing. So you had mentioned um, when you were younger, when you were a child, you were in the English second language classes and going to Canada, you, you guys didn't speak the language. How mm -hmm. was, like, what did that make you feel? How did you um, interact and how did it shape you? And then the other part is, did you have any things you did to learn English? Because I think I've seen yeah. some things from my parents. I've been lucky enough yeah. that English was my first language. Yeah. But I don't think people realize how segregating it can be, like what you said, mm -hmm. and how hard people work to learn the language. I mean, in all the other countries, like Americans go there and they just expect people to know English. And yeah. this, is the, this is the one place where like, no, we are gonna come here. Like everyone just expects people to know English when yeah. you know, there's all these other languages. So I'd be interested to hear your take on that. Yeah, so, um, you know, it's interesting how I, I learned the English language and it came down to listening to music, <laughs> right? And I can recite all the lyrics of Air Supply because um, that was that was the band that my brother loved and and my parents could tolerate, right? Because it's very soothing. Mm -hmm. So grew up listening to music and and really not understanding what the words were. But now, if I were to listen to music after three times of listening to something, I I would know the lyrics because your ears get tuned to to the to the lyrics, right? To the mm -hmm. to the words. And, and so, um, so I've always been, I think, a music lover. Um, you know, I, I grew up listening to music and, and it has taught me the English language. Mm -hmm. um, and I grew up reading, right? I love to read. But when I was younger, when you don't have the ability to even understand the alphabet, right? Because you don't know what the teachers is saying to you. Um, you almost, I equated to almost like, um, you know being deaf and mute mm -hmm. right like you 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 hear you see the word you see their lips move but you can't understand it doesn't connect to mm -hmm. you and and you can't say it out and you can't speak you it can't because it yeah. it ha you can't say it back so um so a lot of times it was always body language 
right? So that's why sometimes I, I, I still do talk a lot with my hands, <laughs> right? Because it's just natural for me to like, when I'm expressive, like I, I, use, I use my hands a lot. Um, but I, I, you know, I remembered um, like, you know, a lot of things that happened to me in my childhood in terms of the opportunities or experiences that I had, I, I would almost equate it to like a Forrest Gump kind of moment, right? Mm-hmm. So I remember, you know, my parents would send us to school. We would walk to school, all of us, and we would get there an hour before school started because my parents didn't want us to be late, right? And <laughs> they, and they had to be on time. <laughs> yeah, and, and they had to go to work. So all Mm -hmm. six of us would walk, I mean, we were fortunate enough that there was the um, elementary school and then there was uh, another uh, school next to it that were connected for the older children. So my brothers Mm -hmm. went to that and my my younger sister and I went to the the lower grades and we would get there an hour before school started. And I remember people practicing track right Mm -hmm. and and they were just running around the track and and I remember the teacher would see us every day we would be there and and he came up to us and asked us if we wanted to join I I didn't know and and he and I'm like you know he's like you're here every day why don't you join us he said just run and he did this and and so we're like okay and so we ended up on on the track team right I love that yeah and then the choir I remember um they were recruiting people to to sing uh at a Christmas choir and I remember looking at one of the guys that was in my ESL class and asking him, hey, what's a choir? Choir, right? And he was like, oh, it's like drawing, because I love to draw, right? When I was younger, I was, I, my passion was to draw, because if I couldn't speak, I should at least draw it. You can draw it, yeah. And that's, yeah, and, and that's how I ended up you know, being in a, in a, in a, in a choir, because I, I thought I would be drawing, but I ended up <laughs> drawing. <laughs> It's a good thing you said you liked music. <laughs> yeah. So I think a lot of times, you know, um, when I think back and even now in my career, a lot of it has been just the opportunities that, that came mm-hmm. about and, and not and not being in fear of them, right? Because yeah. I you know, to me the, the you know, the unknown, that's what excites me. Right. And so if I if I were to think about my my career and and what it's taken me, you know, from, you know, from having my first job as a SQL programmer to then three months later, um, you know, doing something else, um, interacting with the business. And then from there, the company decided to move to the East Coast. I didn't want to go and took a chance at being an independent contractor did that work for, you know, three years, went full time and then left that to go to, you know, got laid off because I wouldn't need it anymore. And then got my experience in management consulting, like just doing different things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that 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 had kind of shaped, I think my childhood shaped me for that t- type of, you know, life, not not knowing, you know, what's happening. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then taking that chance. But I, I would say what spearheaded me to go into management consulting was, uh, you know, my, I think in, when you asked me my aha moment was, you know, when my, when my father passed away, I, I, it really hit me hard because it, it made me realize like, I can have all the plan in the world. I can plan my life from A to Z, but how do I recover from something so traumatic? Mm-hmm. So when I, you know, so when I look back at, at, at my life, I realized that, 
that now what I, what I do now is, you know, yes, you can build a plan, you can have a framework, but always build in these contingencies, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, before I was a type where if I was going to go on vacation, I would know what I, I, I would put an itinerary together. Like that's <laughs> how crazy structured I was, right? And, mm -hmm. and it got to the point where I would put a itinerary together and I realized, oh my God, I've already been there. Even though I haven't gone there, because right? <laughs> I, I, I would just look up everything. I, I would just immerse myself in, in, in all the things that, that was this new place. Yeah. And, and by the time I got there, I, the excitement wasn't there anymore, right? <laughs> I, you know, you, you just did it all already. You planned it, yeah. You planned it, and and I think, in but mind. when my in my mind, but I think when my father passed away, it my life kind of just stopped, you know, and and that's and that's when I realized that, um, you know, the biggest challenge for me was not, you know, is not work, it's not anything, but it was his death, because that's kind of. That was my, I think, the pitiful moment in my life where I realized, like, um, you know, there's going to be times where, you know, work is work, right? I mean, mm -hmm. there's going to, you're going to have bad days, you're going to have projects where you fail. Um, but if you were, if you take a step back and look at it from a bigger grand scheme of things, you're not work. You're, that's not who you are. Right? Yeah. And, and so, um, you know, when I was younger, I, I really struggle with that because my my self my identity was tied to my work yeah right because I, I felt good if people said wow great job I felt bad if people didn't say great job mm -hmm. right and so I think when I was early on in my career um, you know my career started taking off really two years after my father's passing and mm -hmm. and I had a hard time trying to feel proud of myself you know, because I didn't have him to tell me how proud he was of me. Mm. And so I think, you know, my advice to, to, to younger folks that are, are struggling in their career or, or they feel that, you know, they need that, I would say, recognition, just look in the mirror. Right? Look mm. in the mirror and, 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 and tell yourself, you did great today. Because if you're always waiting for somebody else to tell you you did great, then you're never going to be, I think, happy with your accomplishments. And so, I, you know, that's what I struggled with a lot, you know, until, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Yeah. Now, now when I look back in my career, I'm like, damn, I kicked it, you know, I, <laughs> I kicked ass. But at the time, at the moment, I didn't feel it. Cause mm -hmm. I was just doing it, you know, always climbing next, next, what's next, bigger, yeah. better projects, bigger, better things. Right. But I think, you know, but I think looking back it, you, you have to be kind to yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was in management consulting for eight years, I didn't sleep. You know, when I say I didn't sleep, I meant like going to bed at midnight and getting up at five in the morning. It was just all and, work and, your and, whole life whole work and I would sleep with my laptop I would sleep with my notepad just in case I forgot something oh wow 
right? And and so when yeah. when when you when you start to to do that, that's why I think I felt like my identity was tied to who I was in terms yeah. of my work. You know, but I've been pretty lucky to just go home because my you know my family lives in Canada. I live in the, in in California. But when I go home to Canada, you know, when I go home to see my siblings in, in Toronto, they don't know I'm a senior director. They, they, don't, they don't even care. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just Penny. <laughs> right? And, and, yeah. so, and so that's what I think we need reminders of, right? That mm-hmm. you're a sister, right? That you're a daughter, right? I'm a wife. I'm a friend right? Yeah. I'm not the senior director, right? And, and I, think that's, I think that's kind of something that um, I've learned in, in the past, I would say, four to five years, that mm-hmm. I'm more than just my work. Yes. You know, I'm more than just Penny, the senior director. I'm Penny, the friend, and, 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 and so forth. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, and not it's helpful. Just the title. Yeah, and it's not just the title. And, and I think the, you know, the reality is when, when I was in management consulting, titles didn't really matter, right? I mean, you, you, you know, when I did excel when I was in management consulting, but I was always that consultant that volunteered for stuff that nobody wanted to do mm-hmm. because they felt that that job or that project was beneath them. For me, it was like, hey, it's a job. Where is it? Oh, it's a <laughs> I'm like, it's in Texas. I've never been to Texas. Let me go there. <laughs> right? Uh-huh. So I, I think, you know, I, I think um, one advice is, you know, look, go for that opportunity because you never know what that opportunity, that what's going to open the doors for you. Right? Um, mm-hmm. But if you, if you chase after the title, it's, it's not going to, I don't think you'll be fulfilled because you're always going to chase for something else versus, you know, are you going to, are you doing something that, that you like to do? That's so true. It'll be the next promotion, the next salary raise, the next, you know, whatever it is, but you're, you're never going to get the fulfillment if that's all you're chasing. Yep. I think for anyone who's listening right now, if you zoned out the last five minutes, like rewatch it, that was good. (laughs) I feel like the amount I was just, absorbing it all because I think you have so much wisdom and it's it's amazing but you give extremely good advice because it's true we sometimes just keep working and we get on that hamster wheel of of work Mm -hmm. and and people preach work-life balance but I don't think we really understand it until you go through something and hopefully people understand it before they go through something like you did but Mm -hmm. I was even talking about this with someone else recently is you lay down your, your values, you know, your top values that you have. And it's interesting because sometimes I found myself, you know, you spend so much of your days and your weeks working. And then, you know, my top five values were like families, super high. Mm-hmm. It's like, am I calling my family every day? Am I mm-hmm. keeping in contact with my family every day? Mm-hmm. And I was like, these things that I'm saying are my top values and the top things I care about. I wasn't, putting the time and effort to them like I was to my work. And I had to really sit there and like reevaluate and see how I was spending my time. And yeah. that's even, I mean, I'm like two years into my career and it, I already noticed myself doing that. And so um, it's good to catch it early and then mm-hmm. make sure you're, you're focusing on things that you should be. Cause even as established 
as you are, the things, I mean, even the people you work with, not only friends and family, because they don't care what your title is, you're right, it's, you know, what's inside and who you are to them, but your coworkers even, I mean, I've never gotten to work directly with you, but the things people say are like, oh, she's awesome, she's such a great person to work around, and this and this, and they're not complimenting, like, do you know she's a senior director, like, do you know how much money, you know, like, that's not something people talk about, it's always, wow, the way she makes me feel, wow, the way she carries herself, or the, you know, the advice she is, or the things she says, and I think that's important in, in any role, you know, mm-hmm. so that's really good advice to it. I hope you're enjoying this episode. Please check out one of our sponsors at aimforcoaching.com. AIM stands for achieve, inspire, and motivate, and that's exactly what they'll do to help you to seek and exceed your goals. They're life coaching for all ages, experiences, and backgrounds. Please check them out. You won't regret it. Thank you. It's also who your boss is, right? Yeah. Like, you know, I, I think that's a key important thing to always keep in mind. Um, I remembered when I was hired as a SQL programmer, after three months, I answered the phone from customer service and helped solve a problem. And my boss at the time was like, I think you could do more things than being a programmer. I think you can actually talk to the business. So why don't you try this out? So he gave me that opportunity. That's awesome. Right. And then a year later, when um, when he was let go and they replaced him uh, because our company got bought out and they replaced him with someone else, I didn't like where the direction was going. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, I wasn't given the same opportunity. In fact, I was told, like, you know, you're a SQL programmer. You have to come back and do this. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so I knew I, and, and I think throughout my career, I've been blessed to have people that have believed in me or have given mm-hmm. me an opportunity and and saw like the good in what I did. And so I I like to think that I try to pay it forward. Right? Um yeah, I like, I like you know, I like to think that there, you know, if you gave people the opportunity, they they will excel. But some mm-hmm. people just need that opportunity. That's right? And 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 a lot of times is, you know, um the other advice I could would give is always make your boss's job easy for them. <laughs> no, mm-hmm. honestly, because if you do that, then your job will be easy. Right? Yeah. I mean, It'll you might have to do that both ways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you might have to do you might have to do the hard work for them. But at the end of the day, when that promotion comes, they're going to think about you. Yeah, right. They're going to say, Oh, that person, you know, really helped me. Um, because behind every successful leader are, are their teams or their people. Yep. Right. I think you said a, yeah, you said a really important thing there too. about you know, it's a, it's the relationship, but one, if you're sitting and doing the hard work and then two, making sure you have a boss that is uh, appreciating you and helping you develop and grow and not limiting you and being able to mm-hmm. recognize the difference. Mm-hmm. So that's especially important. Yeah. Um, so what do you have? I have two more questions for you. Mm-hmm. So the first is, I think, in a few areas you've discussed in your life, going through these challenges and, and getting advice or understanding it through yourself and learning. What is a piece of advice you could give someone that's currently struggling and trying to make it for themselves, whether it's a younger person 
um, still trying to find their way or, you know, whether it's someone who's older and in their career and, and also trying to find their way. Um, if you have any advice and, and it can vary depending on the situation, uh, but whatever speaks to you, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it depends on the situation they're in, right? Um, if they have a crappy boss, that boss <laughs> is never going to change. That's the reality, right? Yeah. So only you can change that situation. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and so oftentimes I feel I see people struggle with a leader and they keep asking, how do I change my leader's mind? How do I get them to be on my side? And and my point is, if you haven't done it now, it's going to take you. <laughs> it, it's not going to be a, a good battle. Right. Mm -hmm. So I would I would say, you know, honestly, look at yourself and say, what am I? Am I happy? Yeah. Right. And and. And, you know, not everybody gets to do what they love, but they need to love what they do. Right? Mm -hmm. Because if you were to ask me what would be my dream, I would say, you know what, I would want to own a rescue, dog rescue place and just rescue dogs. That's, that's okay. really my ultimate dream, right? <laughs> yeah. But outside of that, you know, what I love to do or what I feel that I'm great at is the digital side, right? Mm -hmm. I have an IT degree. I have an IT background. I have, I have skills that I've built throughout my career. So the work that I do now, one, it's challenging because it's digital transformation. It's, it's new. But two, it's, it's enough in my comfort zone, but it stretches me, mm -hmm. right? Good and, balance. And so, yeah, it's a good balance. And and, you know, when when I did the strength finder, you know, my my key strength is that I'm a maximizer. Right. So as a maximizer, if, if you look at my team, I would use their strength. If I if I notice someone that has strength in something, they would I would maximize their strength. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so in, in terms of if you're struggling with, you know, where you are in your career, or where you are with your job, I would say, look at what you can control. Right. And then mm -hmm. find a way to find a way to figure out how to get out of it if you have to. Right. Um, but a lot of it is is, you know, being kind to yourself. I know sometimes, you know, when I mentor young engineers, they would come and they would have their lives mapped out. And I'm like, oh, my God, I used <laughs> to do that. And they would say, you know, Penny, I'm this level this year. In two years, I'm going to be this level. And then in three years, I'll be this level. And I'm like, no, 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 throw that out. <laughs> right? Yeah. Because you're doing something that you can control your progression, right? You can control what you learn. You can control how you build your skill set. But you can't control whether you get promoted or not. You can, in you can influence it, right? Mm -hmm. that's, that's within your control. You can influence it. But what happens is when people have these types of, I would say, goal setting or expectations, when that two-year mark comes and they don't get promoted, what do they do? They get deflated and they give up. And then they mm -hmm. say, what's wrong with me? Or they lash out and then they're like, oh, my boss isn't, you know, giving me the opportunity. It's his fault. But the reality is, you know, if you want that promotion, you're not going to get it. Look somewhere else. And and I think when I went through one leadership um, forum, one of the advice that our our leader 
of the, I guess, the counselor, I don't know what you call him, you know, he said to us, you know, guys, your career is a game. And when he said that, like, it made everything clear that if you think of your, if your career is a game, you either, if you want to win it, you got to put in the effort. You got to play it. You got to learn how to play it. Right. And so when you think of your career as a game, you, you automatically, I think, take yourself out of it in terms of your own personal being Mm -hmm. and you become a player. Right. And so Mm -hmm. you practice, you, you practice hard because you want to win and you, you become strategic, right? How do I win? How, you know, what do I need to do? How do I prep? Mm -hmm. Right. And then if you think of it as a game, you might win and you might lose. It's just a game. <laughs> it's just, yeah, exactly. It's just a game because it doesn't change who you are, right? You're no less. You're, you're, you're yeah. not going to go home and say, oh, my God, you know, I, I suck today. Yeah, you suck. But that's your second work, but you're not stuck as a person. Yeah. I've never heard it put like that, but I really like that analogy because mm-hmm. it goes back to what you were saying before. It's not your whole life. It is mm-hmm. a, a segment of it. You are not yeah. your job. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if you think about it, you know, if you're playing that game and there's going to be challenges in that game, mm-hmm. you know, how do you overcome that challenge? Right. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of times, you know, people will have challenges, you, you struggle, but you just, I think you, you take it as, as one piece of yourself. It's not mm-hmm. who you are. Right. And, and I, I think, um, you know, the other aspect is, you know, stay positive. If you're having a hard time, the worst thing is nobody wants to be around miserable people, right? Except other mm-hmm. miserable people, because misery loves company. Yep. Right? And, and if you find yourself being in that, you know, that miserable mindset or, or that, oh my God, woe is me, get mm-hmm. out of it. Find, find somebody else that's hyper and perky and, and fun, right? Because you, when you surround yourself with positivity you know when you surround yourself with with people that are passionate or or just animated it and and you just you know it's it's infectious right yeah so yeah i i think you know i think challenges will always be there but Mm -hmm. you just have to look at the challenge from a different angle right like when i look at my when i look at my career challenges i i look at it as like that's to me, really, my career challenge is nothing compared to what I had to go through. <laughs> yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Right? And, and I think other people will have that too, right? You, you don't have yeah. to be a refugee to, to understand challenges. Right? But you just have to kind of look back at, at your history and, and, and say to yourself, what was my biggest challenge? Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, in your, in, when you look back in your childhood or when you look back in, in high school or in college is it wasn't because I didn't do a good job right or I didn't get that promotion yeah it was never like oh I got a C in a class that was the worst thing that happened to me yeah said no one Mm -hmm. I do like the aspect of looking I think the other thing when you look at it like a game that you're saying is a challenge you can look at it the different perspective like you're talking about so it's not this this happened and this is awful. It's setting me back, but it's Mm -hmm. like, it's genuinely a challenge. It's like, wow, that happened. 
How can we mm-hmm. overcome it? What can I learn from it? What mm-hmm. creative way can we solve it or go around it or do this? Mm-hmm. And I think like you're saying, if you go about it positively and, and more lightheartedly, you'll mm-hmm. probably come out on the better side than if you take it really to heart and get down on yourself. Like if you yeah. looked at the two people with the same challenge, one would definitely succeed more than the other in that situation. Mm-hmm. And I think you, you, when you look at it as, as, as a game, it, it takes your emotion, it, it makes you be more objective, mm-hmm. right? It makes you, it allows you at least to get away from the emotional side. I think a lot of high performing people are always hard on themselves, right? We're harder on ourselves than, than, than other people. So a lot of it is, you know, it's being kind to yourself, yeah. you know, and, and, and if you, you know, if you genuinely care about the other people and you're kind to other people, show yourself that same kindness. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we do enough of that to ourselves. Definitely don't. We don't, especially when, when you're saying you're, you're pushing so hard and you're trying to achieve so much, you're much kinder mm-hmm. to others typically than you are to yourself. So it's like, mm-hmm. would you you know, say those inward thoughts to someone else. And it's like, no. So it's like, why are you saying it to yourself? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and like I said, you know, I think challenges will always be there. It, it's how you deal with it, but most importantly, what you can control, what you can't. Mm-hmm. Right. You can't control someone else's emotions. You can't control someone else's decision. You can influence them, but it's how you react and how you overcome, you know, um, those obstacles. Yeah. Couldn't be more true. Mm -hmm. All right. So I have one last question for you to close it out. So Mm -hmm. do you have any last piece of advice for people early in their careers trying to develop themselves, whether that's personally or professionally, or even if it's something, you know, you wish you could tell your younger self? Yeah. So I was thinking about that question. What would I tell my younger self, right? Um, I think I learned early on in my career that my boss um, would make, would either make it or break it in terms of my career. Mm -hmm. My boss. So for me, having a, a boss that is an advocate is important, right? Because they're at your direct level of sphere of influence, mm-hmm. right? So a lot of times when people decide that they want a job and they go through the interview process, right? Cause they really want the job. You need to turn that around and say, I'm going to interview my boss because I want to know what I'm getting myself into because your boss could, could either, um, you know, advocate for you and, and, get you the different opportunities or they could stifle you. Yeah. Right. And, and oftentimes we, we don't think about that. We, we think about, we always think about, Oh, it's the next opportunity. It's so great. I, I, I know I can do it or, or it's the next level, what have you. But then when you look at who the, the leader is, you, you know, whether they have the same values as you do or whether they have the same work ethic, that's something that's important. Right. Because mm-hmm. if you don't, if you don't think about that, then doors don't open. So yeah. I've been pretty blessed with having great bosses. I followed several bosses, to be exact, right? <laughs> yeah. Because, because 
you know, that's why, you know, that's why as a leader, I want to be that type of leader that people will follow. I want to be the type of leader that people will say, you know what, she's going to give me an opportunity because mm-hmm. someone else gave me that opportunity. Right. Yeah. It's like paying it forward, but in a yeah. career setting. <laughs> yeah. In a career setting. So, you know, for, for younger folks, I would say, you know, yeah, yes, you want to get to the next level. Yes. You should have a game plan, but also build your brand. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and your brand is, Staying true to yourself, you know what? What do you want to? What do you want other people to know you as, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but always like, don't shy away from opportunities. Don't shy away from you know from the things that you don't know. But also, you know, leverage your skills, yeah. right? But most important is you know build the relationships, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I think I think being vulnerable is another thing, right? You know, just not not holding yourself back in terms of I don't expect you to cry at work right that's not a good thing (laughs) (laughs) not a good sign either not a good sign right but like I said you know being vulnerable means what being vulnerable means is telling someone you don't know something Mm -hmm. say if somebody asks you to do something just say hey listen I don't really know you know how to do that you know could I talk to someone or you know give me a couple days till I figure it out Right. And if you don't know it, don't be afraid to ask. Yeah. Because that's that shows engagement. Right. Like, don't think yeah. you have to solve everything. You know? <laughs> yeah. No one's going to dock you for trying to learn. But yeah. someone will probably judge you if you're like, Hi, I got this and do it completely wrong. You're like, I was here to help. Like, you just had to let someone know you yeah. needed the help or yeah. had a question. So that's a good yeah. point. I think it's interesting too. you said something about interviews and I think, you know, especially as you're early in your career, when someone interviews you, you were saying you're so excited for the opportunity and, and they're asking you questions and you're answering, but even, you know, at the end of every interview, the person who's interviewing you, whether that be your boss or someone on the team, be like, do you have any other questions? And typically people ask more questions about themselves or more questions about, you know, what something that'll more inward versus mm-hmm. to your point ask them about them ask them mm-hmm. understand what what team you're going into what what the boss is like what the dynamic is like because um, mm-hmm. it it's a two-way street I mean everyone wants a job but mm-hmm. as you're trying to figure out what's what's next in your your path trying to make sure you choose the right one and the right team and the right boss because it all it all affects you and how good you are and how enjoyable you you make it yeah, because I think it's important, right? Because you can have the great, you know, the job may sound great, but when you go into it, it's, and you have a horrible boss or a horrible, a horrible team, it's not going <laughs> to, you know, it's not going to make it fun for anybody, right? And yeah. and there's, and it's, and you know, a lot of times is, is, you know, it's not that you're going to have a horrible boss, but they might not just be your style. Yeah, yeah. Right? And And that's what, you know, and I think that's, that's important to understand that, you know, what is it that you look for in a leader? If there's, you know, there's some people that like to be told what to do and that's okay, right? Some people like structure. Some people like to know that when they come into work, they have a structure and, and they're going to get directions from the boss and, 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 and that's fine. But then there's some people that are like, you know what, I just need you to give me a project and I'll work on my own and I'll deliver. 
right? Mm-hmm. And and so for those type of people, yeah, for those type of people, do you want a boss that's going to ask you every two seconds, hey, where are you at with that? <laughs> yeah. Let me see what you're doing, right? You might be great at doing that work, but that extra stress of someone sitting on top of you might not work out. So mm-hmm. when I interview people, it's always interesting when I ask them, do you have any questions? And they're like, none. And I'm like, oh my God, because for <laughs> me, you know, some of the questions could always be like, what's the culture like in your group? How does the yep. team interact? You know, as, as a leader, what are, what, you know, what do you see the organization going and, and how do you interact with your teams? Mm-hmm. You know, are, you know, do you have an open door policy? Do you, are you, are you structured? Those are the questions because, I mean, as you start to, I think when you're a younger engineer, I think you might be, you know, removed from, from let's say a VP or senior director or director, but at least you've got to, you know, you got to look at it from an opportunity perspective that mm-hmm. this is a great job, right? But as you start moving up your career, your leader is, becomes more important because you're yeah, now closer definitely. to, you know, to the, to the rank and, and the spirit of influence, yep. right, is, 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 I think, a lot. My dog is trying to be high. <laughs> she... yep. Yeah, so I think at the end of, I think at the end of the day, I mean. Oh. <laughs> chop him off. Um, so cute. Yeah, I think, you know, I think, like I said, I, you know, I've been very lucky, been blessed. Um, someone gave me opportunity and, and I jumped at it. Um, but don't be afraid to do a job that nobody wants because mm-hmm. those become the most rewarding. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you've said, um, yeah, I think you said a lot of important things today. I think this is one, you know, people are going to go out with like a notebook and, and some pens to try these <laughs> things down, but you've given, I mean, interview advice like looking at cultures and and your careers and and what's the right move for you and and fit for you like the humbleness and gratitude you have is unreal even you saying right now I mean we talked about your perseverance um and your story and I think that showed but then to sit here at the end you're like I've been so lucky and I'm so blessed and I think it's it's so much of your mindset and I hope that's a lot of what people get out of this is it's, it's all about mindset and how you look at things and, and how you put yourself forward every day. Cause I think it shows in how you do it. Um, but then also making sure you're the person you want to be and not focusing on the job or the title or all these other things, but focusing on the basics. Like we're lucky we have food on the table every night. Like that is such a blessing and what people see and how they perceive you and how you treat others. Like, this this is such a such a cool interview because I think I, we could count the amount of times I said wow <laughs> during this. like we should do a tally or something but um it's just one where you leave feeling like I leave feeling so so grateful for what I have and and the opportunity to learn from you and and everything and I think you get good insight so I hope this is one that people who are listening can get the same and I'm so so lucky and happy that you're able to come on and spend your time and your evening as busy as you are uh, talking to us and hopefully helping mentor uh, the next generation as well okay great thank you thanks for having me it was enjoyable <laughs> <laughs>